Flyers Daily with Jason Mertides. All right, here we go. Brand new edition of Flyers Daily with Jason Mertides for Friday, June 10th. Offseason continues. The names are out there. Bruce Cassidy, the latest name to be added to the coach's carousel. And he met with the media yesterday and said he wants to get back in and wants to get back in right away and get back to work and find a good fit. We'll see if uh, the Flyers, there's some rumors, some uh, reporting yesterday saying that the Flyers possibly uh, either did meet with him or are going to meet with Bruce Cassidy. So we'll see where that goes. And we'll see when we finally get some movement here on this coaching carousel. Talking to uh, Anthony Sanfilippo from Crossing Broad on my Stick to Hockey Live show, we were trying to figure out when a coach may get named. And when we get to the Stanley Cup Finals, he made a good point. The NHL kind of discourages teams from breaking news during the Stanley Cup Finals, choosing rather to keep the focus on the ice and on the Stanley Cup Final. So while it's not an official moratorium of news getting announced, either you know trade signings, the hiring of a coach or coaching staff, GMs, whatever it might be, uh, they tend not to happen during the Stanley Cup Final, and we're getting closer and closer to that Stanley Cup Final beginning uh, at some point next week. So we'll see where that goes. In this episode, we're also going to hear another one of my conversations from Breakup Day with Zach McEwen. And Zach McEwen uh, really opened some eyes to Flyer fans this year, so we'll talk to Zach and uh, we'll kind of dissect his season, and we'll hear from him in just a moment. But before we get there, you know, there was a conversation that took place on the radio the other day on the John Kincaid show on 97.5 The Fanatic. And I happened to see on Twitter a clip of the show where John and Jamie Lynch, who's also on the show, were debating the notion of trading Carter Hart, why it makes sense, why it doesn't make sense, and all the different ramifications thereof. Now, we know the history of goaltending in Philadelphia. It's a hard thing to find. Goaltending is one of those things that is almost voodoo science. Hard to predict who's going to end up developing and being good and being able to handle being an NHL goaltender and who's not. We've seen goaltenders taken high in drafts that haven't panned out. We've seen goaltenders taken high in drafts and have panned out, whether that's Marc-Andre Fleury, who was taken number one overall. And on the other side of that is a guy like Rick DiPietro, also taken number one overall. Carey Price taken in the top five. Clearly that worked out as he's a great goaltender and probably the best goalie of his generation. But to look at Carter Hart, got to the NHL before most goalies do. He's still only 23 years of age. He'll be 24 coming up on August 13th. Got a lot of experience already, both good and bad. Uh, had really bounced back last year, although his numbers aren't eye-popping. If we watched the games, and I know you guys did, we saw a goaltender that bounced back from a rough season the year prior. Uh, in that shortened season, and in particular that month of March. So while we believe in Hart, you know, you ask the question. And, you know, I think it's a legitimate conversation that when you have a team in the Flyers situation where they've had the past two seasons in the way that they have, I think it's fair to say that no one is untouchable. You know, but trying to, again, trying to find the goaltender is very difficult. And part of that, and part of this equation, and I called John uh, after his show a couple of days ago and talked to him about it, just kind of wanted to give my perspective on it. And we had a nice long conversation. I've known John for a long time. He was an assistant hockey coach of mine when I was in high school in the late 80s. So we've known each other for obviously a long period of time, over 30 years, and talked about the game quite a bit with each other. And with Carter Hart only being 23 years old, even if you do a rebuild, he's still young enough 
that he can be your goaltender when you reap the rewards of a pronounced rebuild, say three to five years, if which is what I don't think what the Flyers are attempting to do. But he's of that age where he is still young enough that to be in his prime when you want to bear the fruits of a rebuild's labor. And you have to have goaltending. While we've seen some, a lot of teams go through those pronounced rebounds, I've talked about this before, the ones that have had success in those rebuilds are the ones that have had goaltending. The ones that haven't had success, they've had a carousel of goaltenders, whether that's Buffalo, whether that was even a team like Toronto that hasn't gotten past the second round. Goaltending's always been a question mark. You look at a team like the Edmonton Oilers, yeah, they got to a conference final this year, but they haven't had the goaltending, and that's been one of the reasons that they've been held back, even though they have some really incredible, dynamic, skilled players, Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl and others. So goaltending is absolutely key. It's hard to even measure, are we doing things right if we don't have goaltending, because it can undo everything that you have. But the the one element of it that causes you pause is, okay, you want to capitalize on a goaltender when he's not making a ton of money. Because we all see in the Stanley Cup playoffs year in, year out, the only way to have success in the playoffs is to be a complete hockey team. You have to ha- you play all four lines to varying degrees, yes, but you play all four lines. You have to have six defensemen and you need good goaltending. You have to be a complete team if you want to try and get that that trophy. If you want to get the Stanley Cup, it takes that. And it's a salary cap league. So if you're paying a ton of money to a goaltender, can you build the right team up front. And it's it's one of those questions where when Sergei Bobrovsky signed that contract in Florida, the seven-year deal for $70 million at $10 million per, that causes you pause. Can they build enough allocating that kind of money to the goaltender position? So I thought about that. You know, Carter Hart's got another two years on his contract. He'll still be a restricted free agent when that's up. And then he'll move on to his next contract if he has a good couple of years, that contract probably starts with a six, maybe a seven if he has really good years, and you go forward. It's good money. It's not earth-shattering money. And considering where the cap is now as compared to where it is in some of the examples I'll give you, it kind of goes, okay, that's about right. But if you get in up in those areas of $9 million, $10 million where Bobrovsky is, then maybe it becomes an issue. So I wanted to look back at like the last 12 years of Stanley Cup winners. I mean, even back into the mid-2000s when you saw you know, a team like coming out of the lockout, like the Carolina Hurricanes win the Cup in 2006, they come out of nowhere with Cam Ward who wins the Cup. He's not making a lot of money. Didn't even start the playoffs that year for the Carolina Hurricanes. Martin Gerber did before Cam Ward ended up taking the crease. Wasn't making a lot of money. The Anaheim Ducks won the next year with J.S. Shiger, making decent money. Wasn't necessarily in his prime. Uh, Pittsburgh wins it in 2009. and Or, excuse me, Detroit wins it in 2008. They do that so with Chris Osgood not making a ton of money. Pittsburgh wins it in 2009. That's uh, Marc-Andre Fleury early in his career. Making good money. Not huge money, though. Uh, the Chicago Blackhawks in 2010. Anti Niemi, of course, against the Flyers. Wasn't making a lot of money. 2011, Tim Thomas was the cup-winning goaltender for the Boston Bruins. He was making $5 million. Good money, not great money. 
2012, it was the Los Angeles Kings that year. Jonathan Quick was making $1.8 million. And when they won it in 2014, he signed his new contract. He was making 5.8. Matter of fact, he's still under that same contract. He's going into the final year of that 10-year deal. So either of those years, 1.8 in the 2012 Cup year, even 5.8 in the 2014, not earth-shattering money that they're spending on goaltending. The year in between, Chicago wins it again in, 2000, uh, in 2013. And that year, it's Corey Crawford. Crawford making, in that year, $2.6 million. And when he won it two years later in 2015, he was making $6 million. So not earth-shattering money once again. 2016 and 17. 16 was Marc-Andre Fleury at that point in his career, making $5.75 million. Not big money. Matt Murray in 2017. They were paying Marc-Andre Fleury then as well, but Murray's only making 628000 So, again, still not big money spent on goaltenders. 2018, it's the Washington Capitals, Braden Holpe, and he's got the highest salary of anybody here until we get to Vasilevsky at $6.1 million. He was in th- year three of a five-year contract with Washington, and he was making six point one. Again, good money, but not earth-shattering money. And then you get into 2019, it's uh, Jordan Bennington, who was making 650000 They also had uh, Jake Allen, who was making a, couple, you know, a few million dollars, but nothing earth-shattering uh, for the St. Louis Blues. And then in the 2020 season, when the Tampa Bay Lightning win it, Vasilevsky was making $4 million. And then last year when they won the Cup, he was making nine point five. He signed an eight-year contract, $9.5 million, which is obviously also his AAV this year. But Tampa's in a little bit different situation because they can get players to play in Tampa for less money than they would play for in other places because of the no-income tax and because of, you know, the lifestyle living down in Florida. You can take less money and still bring home more money than if you were playing in New York or you're playing in California or you're playing north of the border or you're playing in Philadelphia where there is income tax. So it is an advantage for those teams that play in those areas like Vegas like in Florida, like in Texas, to have no income tax. So it's it's a pretty common denominator that the team that wins the Cup doesn't pay a lot to their goaltender. Now, last year against Tampa Bay, it was Carey Price who makes huge money. But that was kind of an outlier. rest of that team wasn't really highly paid. They got on a run. They went on a heater. So that being said, you know, trading Carter Hart, does it make sense? I don't think so. Because finding the goaltender, as we've seen over a long period of time, is not easy. It's not an easy thing to do. I think the notion that Philly hasn't had any goaltenders since Ron Hextall, I think that's a little misleading. Because I think some goaltenders, including Steve Mason, had pretty good numbers here. You know, they didn't have huge playoff success, but they had some good numbers here. It's a tough place to be a goalie, like Toronto and other some other markets as well. But Carter Hart is a guy that has got a lot of experience already at 23 years of age, still young, and I think he's got more to go. You see the effect and how quickly a rebuild can turn with a guy like Igor Shosturkin, which we're seeing with the New York Rangers. So there's my case. I made it. Again, I'm not hanging up the phone if somebody calls me about Carter Hart. If they say, hey, I'm going to give you Leon Dreisaitl, then there's a conversation to be had. But... That's likely not the case. All right, let's get to Zach McEwen. Another interview from Flyers Breakup Day. I had a chance to catch up with the Flyers forward, who really excited fans with his style of play this past season. So here's my conversation with Zach McEwen. Joining us on this episode of Flyers Daily on Breakup Day, it is Flyers winger Zach McEwen. Zach, how you doing? 
Doing well, thank you. Did you ever know that you would fit a city's sports landscape like Philadelphia? Um, I didn't. Um, you do now. Though, right? I, I do now, yeah. No, I feel it now for sure. Uh, I think, you know, from early on when I got here, uh, I kind of figured out, um, you know, what this city's all about. And, and you know, I think I was welcomed uh, with open arms. And, you know, I appreciate that so much. Knowing the kind of, you know, the mentality of this fan base, and the way you battle out there, does that you know playing at home? That'll give you a little inspiration too, won't it? Hundred percent. Yeah, you know it's uh, you know it's really easy to get up for a game uh, playing at home. You know I know these you know I know what these fans want in a game, and um, you know it's uh, something that you know I'm more than willing to to do my best to give to them. You scored uh, a lot at Gatineau in junior. You had a, a big year in the AHL as a scorer as well. What's why is it so much more difficult to score at the NHL level, other than the obvious that the best goalies in the world are out there? Yeah, no, that's you know that's one of the aspects. Um, you know, obviously it's the best league in the world. Uh, you know, my production is not where I wanted it to be this year, uh, obviously, but you know I think that comes with experience and and it comes with uh, you know it comes with playing more games and and being trustworthy for the coaches and you know getting put in different situations and I think. Uh, you know, I think that's one part of my game that, you know, I'm really going to really try to grow, and I think it's only going to only gonna go up from here. Um, you just met with Chuck, um, and you are an arbitration-eligible restricted free agent. Is the plan for you to stay in Philly? Uh, that's what I'm hoping for. Um, you know, I'm staying very positive. Um, you know, I love this city. Um, I really want to be a part of the future of this team, and, uh, you know, I, I hope we can get something done. Um, when you go into your summer training – when will you get back on the ice? Um, you know, I'll take a good good amount of time off here, off the ice to uh, let the body recover. Um, you know, we start, you know, maybe in late June, we'll get back on the ice. You don't, you know, you don't want to burn yourself out before camp, and, but you want to, you know, you got to find the right balance between uh, when's a good time to start and, and when's too early, before, you know, so you're not, uh, you know, you're not coming into camp burnt out. You gotta like ramp it up because I mean, in the last 471 days, 56 game season last January started, then this 82, it's 138 games yeah. in 471 days, basically 15 months. It's, it's a lot of hockey. Yeah, that is a lot of hockey. And uh, the body feel it? Yeah, the body definitely feels it. Um, <laughs> you know, especially the way I play. Um, you know, and especially for me this year, getting in more games consistently and, and you know, and having that role and, and, and playing that part on the team, I think it's, uh, you know, I really started to feel, um, I got a better feel for what I'm going to need to prepare for and, um, you know, how I'm going to need to do it. So I think, um, you know, I think it was a great uh, learning opportunity this year. Is it hard, after, you know, after a good season, and even if you fall short of a cup, you can unplug and put it, away and get rid of it and use it as motivation into the next summer but coming off the season that the team had this year is that more difficult um you know i think uh i think you're going to take the positives and negatives of every year after you know after you're done i think a year like this where you know you're kind of left wanting more it kind of gives you i think a little bit more drive to 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 put that work in and come back and for next year and just you know do whatever you can to try to, you know, change things around because, you know, as hockey players, as competitors, they don't, you know, they're not happy losing. And, um, you know, so I think a lot of guys are going to do whatever they can to change that. Um, last thing for you, hockey moms. <laughs> Every player that plays has a hockey mom. Yeah. And your mom is very out there 
on social she media. Is. She is. She is insanely proud of you. Yeah, no, she is. And she, <laughs> uh, she, she's not afraid to let everybody know. And uh, that's cool. Though, right? You know, it's great. She, you know, it's a great outlet for her, you know, being, you know, far away and, and being able to follow closely. And, um, you know, she's just, she's just, she loves me so much. And, yeah. and you know, and she, she's not afraid to let anybody know. And, um, you know, she has fun with it and it, and it helps her, you know, kind of follow along and, and you know, be proud. So, um, yeah, no, she's, uh, yeah, awesome. she's, yeah, she's doing good. It's fantastic. Zach, uh, best of luck this summer. Enjoy it. Um, and we'll see you in the fall. I'm, I'm making the assumption you're coming back because to me, you knocked the door down and you deserve to come back. So I appreciate the time. Yeah, sounds good. Thank you. Thanks to Zach McEwen for joining us uh, on Breakup Day. We appreciate the time. He was a fun guy to watch this year. Entertaining, 25 years of age, uh, an undrafted player. He is a guy that uh, is an unrestricted free agent. So he will have to be signed if he's going to remain with the Flyers. Played 75 games this year, three goals, six assists, nine points, 110 penalty minutes on the year. And in his career, 130 uh, games in the NHL, nine goals, nine assists, and 18 points and 179 playoff, or excuse me, uh, penalty minutes. Uh, Played his other games, 55 of them over three years for the Vancouver Canucks, never playing more than 34 in one season. But again, he's a guy that can skate, gets up the ice, plays with energy, plays with passion. Uh, We'll see if there's a future for him here in Philadelphia. And one of the things that we talked about, and you heard it in the interview, was me asking about his mom on social media because she's very outwardly proud of her son. And that's refreshing to see. And I like that, and I I like that he engages in it as well. And he appreciates the support that his mother gives him, the hockey mom. The hockey moms out there, if you're a hockey mom, you're the best because what they put up with Uh, with their hockey player children, girls and boys, is phenomenal. All for the game. Everybody, thanks for listening. Have a great weekend. We'll be back Monday with another brand new episode. Bill Meltzer will join us. So we'll be back Monday with a brand new episode of Flyers Dale.